everybody, welcome to another edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all of the All Elite Wrestling news, reviews, previews, interviews, uh, what else? Recaps? That's the same as a review. Right, Jenny? Pretty much. Yeah. So I got Jenny here with me. Hello. To my, immediately to my left is Jenny. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Didn't it used to be 101? Nope. It's always been 111. Huh. Yeah. So this week, uh, we've got a pretty packed schedule. We've got AEW Dark. We've got Being the Elite. We've got AEW Dynamite. We've got Ratings News. We've got Rankings. We've got a preview of next week's Road to Dark and Dynamite. So we got a pretty packed docket, so let's get right into it. So we start things off with the way we start every week. With the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Unfortunately, Andy wouldn't let me get champagne this week, but I found out that Megan has champagne. So she actually gets to do the honors of the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Megan? Oh, man, no no pressure. Turning it over to you. I'm so excited. Let's see if I can get this. Why don't, you tell us, why don't you tell us what you're drinking there first, Megan? Um, Shandon Rosé. Ooh, the Rosé. Yeah, it's a very affordable um, supermarket champagne. Or sparkling wine. Sorry, Jenny. It's not from champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, rules. Uh, but let's see if I can get this to uncork without totally spilling all over my microphone. Hey, not bad. Not bad. Now, Jenny, we might not get the champagne pop, but we'll get a little bit of a pop here. It's true. What do we have? We have a bottle of Termez. It's a uh, Tempranillo from Spain. Mm-hmm. Also a pretty affordable wine. It was something. A little bit? Yeah, it was something. I, I think it was better. Yeah. All right. Cheers. 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 To another week of the show. All right. We begin, as we begin uh, most weeks, with Being the Elite. This episode 180, titled, This is Supposed to be Fun. This week, we start out with Nick Jackson and Brandon Cutler at uh, the Jackson Compound. <laughs> And Nick and Brandon are discussing how Matt's not cleared to wrestle. He's hurt. And Brandon says, you know, it's okay. I've got your back, which I say is cold comfort indeed. Mm-hmm. Like Brandon Cutler versus Matt Jackson. Uh, no contest. Yes. So Nick says in order to feel better, he's going to do a little magic. <laughs> and in order to make the ladies feel better. His first magic trick is shirtless. That's right. Uh, he performs several uh, weird magic tricks, and we get the merch freak montage from a couple of weeks ago. I love his dead eyes. I know, right? <laughs> so good. I love the fact that Matt and Nick live, like, right down the street from each other. I just, I'm so jealous. Megan, I'd love to live down the street from you. Well, you live 111 miles away from me, so that's basically next door. I know, but wouldn't it be so wonderful if we lived next door and we had pools 
and basketball courts and fire pits and apparently weird, like, perched decks. I've never seen that in any of the other Being Elites. I had no idea that he had a deck, like, up in the air. Looks like they're starting to build a half pipe or something. Oh, my gosh. Maybe a treehouse <laughs> for the kids because they're such good dads. Yeah. Next up, we get a flashback to last week with uh, Leva Bates and that indie wrestler who she's uh, trying to make cosplay as Peter Avalon. And he says, I don't want to do this, says that the librarians suck, and he gives her the books back that he had been holding. And she says, I miss Peter. Then this week, the uh, the librarians approach Justin Roberts, and they actually kind of liked this bit where he... He, uh, he, he narrates their conversation as if he is uh, announcing a match. He says that there is a 45-second time limit, and uh, he's very flustered and can't get out what he wants to say. I think he was trying to um, have them amend, have, have uh, Justin amend his uh, preferred ring entrance, but he didn't get to it in time, and thus he is stuck being the librarian for another week. That was really good. Justin Roberts is very funny. Yeah. Justin Roberts, killing it. He was very funny in that bit. Librarians, not so much. Justin Roberts, very funny. BT Mailbag this week is the return of the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Woohoo! Um, Megan loves these because of all the takes and mm-hmm. that are kind of uh, knitted together and and Orange Cassidy always breaking a little bit. And, he does uh, always break a little. Yeah. My favorite, I think the most, the most pertinent information we learned from this is that... Uh, Trent's brother at one point forgot how to pee, so he had to be catheterized, and he gave Trent one to try. He said he tried it, at which point Chuck Taylor's brow was very furrowed, and he seemed very, like, could this conversation please not be happening right now? (laughs) And then Trent said that he only got it an inch and a half in, to which Chuck replied, look at you bragging about the size of your penis. (laughs) Is uh, Trent's brother okay? I don't know. This is the first time I've ever heard of Trent's brother. <laughs> Why would you try a catheter if you didn't need one, Trent? So uh, next up, we get to kind of the real meat of the story, as of this week's episode is. We have the Bucks and Kenny are in a uh, dressing room, and Matt says, Kenny, are you back to being yourself? Are you the old Kenny Omega again? And his very Matt Jackson way of delivering lines. And uh, he says, like, now that this is all over with Moxley, are you Kenny Omega? I feel like we had this exact same kind of story beat when Kenny and Cody were feuding. Um, but Kenny says, you know, I had a week off. I'm fine. And the Bucks are just like, okay, I don't think I don't think that's right. But uh, then Kenny leaves. Hangman comes in, and he is not happy. He says he's tired of being the least successful member of the Elite. He says, you know, I lost I lost a pack again. I lost to Jericho. I can't, you know, I can't do this. Bucks try to talk him down. Pack says he needs to go. He says, we're still cool, but I need to ride alone for a while. God gave with both hands, but the elite have been pulling him down. That's right. I mean, Mixed how up. have they been causing him to lose? I think maybe he's maybe he's worried that he's a drag on the team. Because he's just in such a bad state. Oh, so this was a selfless move. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, God gave with both hands. He would never be selfish. Okay. So 
Hangman leaves, and Nick, Nick says, what is going on around here? I thought this was supposed to be fun. And then we get a classic BTE sad montage of all the <laughs> members you. getting beat up and pinned and choked out by Wardlow and <laughs> uh, and just everything. And it was very it was very reminiscent of the um, All By Myself episode. <laughs> I cannot wait until we can get another Marty Scroll All By Myself rendition one day. Speaking of... Uh, and that's how the episode ends. Uh, Hangman is shown arriving back home, and he's in his foyer. And he stops and turns and looks at a bookshelf, and there is, and there's the uh, the photo booth picture mm-hmm. from like probably 150 episodes ago yeah. of, of being the elite of Cody, uh, the Bucks, Page, and uh, Marty Skrull in the bottom left hand corner. Mm. So this wouldn't have been the famous photo shoot photo booth episode because that was adam cole not cody they weren't in their onesies no they did a, they did one with cody though they did another one with cody yeah oh i don't remember that one yeah um but uh he looks at the picture he turns it around and that's when you see like the picture up close and marty's girl is definitely in the bottom left hand corner yep and i've been saying it all week there are a million pictures of the elite that don't have Marty Skrull in them that you could have used for this moment, but they chose to use one with Marty Skrull in it. Because Marty's coming back and he's going to fix it all. They don't... These guys don't put stuff in Being the Elite for no reason. That's one thing that I think we've learned following this show for the last few years. Definitely. Like, everything ha- is in the show for a reason. They they think about this stuff. So this shit is the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, Megan, what do you think that, what do you think this means? I think it means what you both said. Marty Skrull's coming back to bring his friends together because they're all currently floating apart. Kenny's being weird. Adam is losing his confidence and losing his matches. And, you know, Marty's just got to get in there and bring them all back. Cody, he's having a crisis with his corporate Cody, wrestler Cody thing and and he Jericho knows what's going on with his wife. Yep. His wife has turned to the dark side. So we need to get Marty, the innocent glue that held them all together with his naive confusion about why anyone would be fighting with each other. <laughs> get him in there and have him bring them back to be the group we all know and love. Here, here. Okay, Jenny, as a follow-up, when do you think Marty will pop up again? Let me let me give you some 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 dates coming up here. November twenty seventh in Chicago, December fourth in Champaign, December eleventh in Garland, Texas, December eighteenth in Corpus Christi, and then that's that's the last uh, date for the year. I think it's going to be December fourth in Champaign. Okay. Interesting. All right, Megan, how about you? Do you have a do you have an inkling? That seems really soon, but at the same time, they don't really have another pay-per-view to wait. They only, they yeah, only like have one like, officially announced. Yeah, so it seems like he would show up sooner rather than later. I guess Champagne's as good a time as any. I, I would expect it to be a big event, but since clearly we don't have one, I'd, I don't know what else would set like a Wednesday night show apart. 
Well, I think that this upcoming Wednesday show is supposed to be like a pretty big event because it's at the Sears Center, which is where they held All In and All Out. So I guess if you were thinking like the biggest event they have coming up, it would be this upcoming Wednesday. But I don't know if Marty's out of his contract yet by that time. Yeah, the next like big, big one I would say is probably New Year's Day in Jacksonville. Mm. They've got at that cool, you know, arena that the Dailies plays. You know what, though? That would make sense because last year and being the elite. Oh, New Year's Day party. His poor (laughs) New Year's Day party. And then now he could have like this giant New Year's Day celebration. I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to go for that day just because I think that would be a great story. Okay. I think that's good, too, because then it gives time for there to be even more splintering within the group because they're still they're still kind of hanging together now, but Adam Page has just decided recently to step back a little. So I think the others need a little time to further separate themselves too, to give Marty something to really work with here. But I do like the idea of coming full circle on the new year's day thing. That takes us to AEW dark from last week's venue, Nashville, Tennessee. And it was uh, Tony and Dasha again. Looks like that's maybe the the regular pairing from now on. I like that. It's good practice for her. Yeah, and it's just good to have like even though Tony's good on his own, it's nice to have play off of each other. Yeah, a little bit of conversational thing going on. Uh, Dustin Rhodes <laughs> oh was God. the guest commentator alongside Excalibur, and our first match is Private Party versus the Best Friends. Uh, both teams being uh, ranked in the top five at the time and orange cassidy of course there at ringside to support his boys best friends and any memories of this match jenny or maybe any memories of dustin rhodes uh dustin was high as a kite what was going on with dustin i thought maybe it was nerves i as a kite but then so this show is weird because this is actually the last match that was taped of the night. And later on, there's a Young Bucks match, which is the first match that's taped of the night. And I, I, I think the reason they taped the Young Bucks match first is because on the Dynamite show later, they were doing an angle where Matt got power bombed through a stage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would be a sure. bad look to have them come out and do a match after that. Sure. But it's AEW Dark and, you know... Young Bucks in the main event is stronger than pretty much anything else you can do. So they did this. But it's weird because I thought he was he seemed most out of it and wacky in this match, which was the third one he did commentary for. He seemed very calm in the women's tag match. Yeah. And then he seemed totally fine in the Young Bucks tag match, which is the first match that he called. Yep. Megan, did you did you have a am I am I wrong or was that a did you notice that as a as a similar trajectory? Oh yeah, no, I totally noticed that, and I also noticed he made reference to um when he was all loopy in the first quote unquote first match, and he went off on the dust thing and how there were shirts and whatnot. He said something about dust in like one of the second or third matches, and he didn't. I mean, obviously because it was before that, he didn't reference it. But he also didn't get so excited. And when you said that the first match was 
actually taped last, I thought, oh, of course, like he got through the first couple and then got high or drank a lot. And then when he came back for the third one, he was like out of it. He was um, out of his mind in this match. And it was super distracting. Yes. <laughs> um, Best Friends won. It was... Uh, I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was, I, I was like I said, mostly distracted by by him. There were a couple of fun Orange Cassidy spots. But, uh, yeah, Best Friends won. I was kind of surprised. Was there any talk on the internet about what happened to Dustin? Not that I really saw. Uh, Megan texted me when she was watching Dark. Sure. Yeah, not, not so much talk on the internet that I saw, but, you know... The three of us all definitely noticed it independently. Yeah. So. Do, was Has he been taking painkillers for his arm that's in the think, cast? I don't think the arm injury is real. So. Huh. If he's faking the arm injury, could he have convinced someone that it was actually real and gotten painkillers from that person and then oh. chased them with a bunch of whiskey? I mean, you know, anything's possible. But anyway, uh, best friends win. And I was surprised because uh, they haven't really been getting a push at all, and Private Party has, so. Well, I mean, Excalibur said that they were getting a push, and then Dustin was like, well, how many matches have they actually won? Oh, yes, yes. Megan, did you notice that bit at the beginning where where uh, Excalibur says, best friends debuted at double or nothing, and they've just been racking up the wins since then. And then Dustin says, what's their record, man? And, and he just asked it as an innocent question. And then Excalibur goes, well, uh, as a tag team, they're two and three. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's two wins. Uh-huh. Could be zero and five. Yep. Poor Excalibur, though. He was trying to wrangle everything in, and I don't think he was equipped to deal with this. He needed Tony. <laughs> he, he, had, he, had a, uh, he had a yeoman's task in front of him. Uh, next up, we had Big Swole and Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker and Riho. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought Chris Statlander was very tall. She's very tall. Yeah, I. Uh, so she's she's somebody that a lot of people have, uh, you know, are kind of pegging to be a big star in the future. Mm. Um, Dustin for sure. Yeah, Dustin Love is this girl. Into her. Baker and we hit Riho obviously get the win. Um, Britt got the lockjaw on Chris Statlander, and uh, yeah. Didn't really feel like Britt and Riho were jiving too well mm. as a tag team. Does it, Britt jive with anyone, though? Uh, Even with not, Adam Cole? Not that we've really... Well, that's, you know. <laughs> on <and> <laughs> Next up, this week's from Undesirable to Undeniable, the aforementioned Justin Roberts is in the segment with Cody Rhodes, and Justin says that his undesirable moment was October 2014 when he was released from the other company, and... <laughs> Uh, AKA the other place. And uh, he felt undeniable when AEW fans remembered him and, and uh, chanted his name and arenas all over the United States. What a coincidence. What? That you would feel undesirable by getting fired by your competitor <laughs> and feel undeniable by getting cheered at your brand new company who's interviewing you. Yeah. That's, that's really something. I like that he specifically noted becoming a fan of being the elite as what kind of got him like like sparked his like love for the business again after having it kind of sounds like it was kind of beat out of him 
after being fired there, and uh, I liked that. I think I have that in common with him. Yeah, that's what, I mean... That's what sparked me into actually enjoying, like, the wrestling. Some wrestling, yeah. Some wrestling. <laughs> Let's not get crazy, right? I mean, I, I always enjoyed Nikki Bella before, but not really, like, wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, our main event, the Young Bucks versus the Stronghearts. This match was awesome. Yes, it was. It makes sense for a match with all of these people in it. Very entertaining. Yes. Dustin was very excited about T-Hawk's chops whenever they were threatened or happened. Because because he was in that eight-man tag on Dark a few weeks ago where he got chopped several times by T-Hawk. So he had personal experience. Ah. Was it this match or the previous match where Dustin mentioned holding on to the tag team rope? And about how that's old school and that's proper etiquette for a tag team match. I think it might have been the women's tag. It may have been, yeah. yeah. So it was very Jim Ross. It was of him. very Jim Ross with him. Yeah. Uh, I think he was complimenting Statlander, you know, the one he was real into. Yeah. And the Bucks won with the Melter Driver, uh, called that on TV, and Dustin did not ask any questions. Okay, with Dark taken care of, that takes us right into Dynamite. Megan. Yes. This week's Dynamite was at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we opened very strong with a match with Nick Jackson facing off against Ray Phoenix. And Ray Phoenix got the win, but it was uh, a lot of high-flying and amazing high spots to get there. And such a strong start to the show. What did you guys think of this one? I think this was the best match in the history of Dynamite. I know that's only eight weeks old, but um, I thought this was like legitimately like maybe like a low end match of the year contender. And I was just completely blown away by this. Uh, when it was over, I just thought I, as much as I like the Lucha Brothers as a tag team, I think Ray Phoenix could, I mean, Ray Phoenix could be the world champion here. Yeah. Ray Phoenix is amazing. And Pentacon really kind of pulls him down. Wow. That's not what I meant. With those stupid pile drivers that hurt people. Um, I I loved this match. This was exactly the type of wrestling I enjoy seeing. I love Nick Jackson. I think he's the best buck. And uh, while I don't think that Matt Jackson pulls down Nick because they're best friends and brothers, and Matt's pretty great too. Not as good of a wrestler, but pretty great. It was fun to see Nick... Um try to like keep up with some of the the rope work that Phoenix does. Yeah, he did a um a spot where he jumped between the different layers of ropes as well, just like we saw a couple weeks ago Phoenix do. Mm-hmm. And I think that same he did a similar spot um on on the match with Nick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, what did you think of this one? I really liked it and thought it was just an impressive showing for both men. Um, I thought it was cool how they did so much work on the ropes and outside of the ring. Like, I, I didn't think we really stayed in the ring, like, proper very much at all. And it was just kind of cool to have a different perspective. I also appreciated that the announcers brought up that these are both younger brothers trying to prove themselves. I thought that was a fun mm-hmm. dynamic to yeah. put in there. And especially because I think Ray Phoenix, didn't he 
do Pentagon Jr.'s pile driver for the finish? Or am I making that up? He definitely did a pile driver and it it looked better. He did a uh, he did a muscle buster, which is like onto his own shoulders. Oh, is that is that different than a yeah. pile driver? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to I wanted to make the connection so bad. Um and also I'm bad at moves, but it was just I thought the dynamic was cool and the story they told was cool and also obviously these two are super talented and it was just fun to watch them perform together basically. They did the they did I think the coolest Canadian destroyer I've ever seen. What's a Canadian destroyer? It's the so so it was a spot where Nick kind of like was was outside the ring standing on the apron and he slingshot himself over and when he, he caught Ray Phoenix and then Ray and then they did like a flipping pile driver. Oh wow. Yeah. It's called the Canadian Destroyer. It is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I also liked the announcers pointed out a couple of times that Nick was kept looking to the corner. Oh, he missed his brother. Yeah, and like he was trying, he was he, like he was going to make a tag, but then you know obviously there's no way to tag. But like Aww. that his instincts were causing him to miss opportunities because he was in a situation where normally he'd go for a tag. Oh, that's there adorable. was one. There was also one point where he got uh, Phoenix up for the Meltza driver, it looked like. And, you know, clearly there's no one to perform the other half of that. Yeah. So Phoenix yeah. got out of it. But, like, it was kind of a fun nod to his muscle memories. He's only equipped to wrestle with his brother. Yeah. <laughs> so this match was fantastic. And how long had it been since Nick had a singles match? Like 1,100 days or something like that. It had been a long time, and I... I thought from being the elite when Matt went on vacation that one time that Nick had um, wrestled in a singles match, but he must have paired up with someone else. Yeah. Um, so he's really not been in the ring very much on his own. But you said that Phoenix has. Yeah, Phoenix. I mean, yeah, Phoenix was like the the singles main singles champion of AAA recently. So like that's who Kenny won that belt from. So you think that Phoenix can be a world contender singles? Yes. Can Nick? Yeah. Like, maybe not now, but maybe in a couple years. What does he need to work on? Oh, nothing. I just think that, like, there's still a lot of juice left in the Young Bucks as a tag team. I hope they never break up the Young Bucks as a tag team. It would, I think it would be ridiculous. I don't think people would buy into it. Well, no, because they're brothers and best friends. You can never break that up. That's right. But I the could see something strong. where someone gets a singles push and the other brother like valets them that whole time and is out there and kind of helping and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you so that you're that, not but... breaking it up. There's still a tag team, but like they're getting a singles push. Yeah. It was a great match and a very strong opener. And we follow it up with Britt Baker facing off against Hikaru Shida and Shida gets the win. Uh, which is nice because, you know, Britt Baker is like kind of their star that they've been pushing on the woman's side. But she does new and very talented. So she gets the win and that makes her technically the new number one contender for the AEW women's title. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as we'll as we'll go over in the rankings later. Yeah, she has taken the top spot in the contention. Really? I How many wins can she? I know we'll talk about this later, but like. How many wins can she possibly have had? Because she's just started. Well, she was the number two contender, and she beat the number one contender. But how was she already the number two contender? I mean, she just came a couple weeks ago. Yeah, she's only she her only she only lost to Riho. 
Right, but how many wins can she have to well, be the number one contender? Why can't we, we just will. talk about that now? <laughs> okay. Um, just about that one specifically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her record is uh, three and one in singles and four and one overall. So three and one. So who did she beat? She beat. Uh, she beat. Jeez, uh, Jamie Hader. Okay. She beat Britt Baker. And she beat Big Swole on Dark last week. Oh, so it wasn't a tag team last week? It was a singles? No. Okay. And at, at Double or Nothing, she and Riho and Ryo Mizunami defeated Aja Kong, Emi Sakura, and Yuka Sakazaki. So that was her debut with the company, and she got the pin in that match. Then it all out, she lost to Riho, and then she's, she's won three consecutive matches since then. I like her. I think she's got a really good look. I think she's really talented. I think she's fun. She's funny on Twitter. Yeah, she is funny on uh, Instagram as well. Okay. And I think they should be pushing her instead of Britt. Well, Megan. Uh, well, looks like they might be. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that. It seems like that's what's happening now. I hope so. Yeah, because I mean, she beat her clean as a sheet and. Yeah, but, you know, next week we'll have another match and we'll somehow win it. I mean, that's not going to put her above Sheeta in the well, rankings. Well, no, but... Just, just I mean, I think it's clear right. that the next title shot's going to go Hikaru Sheeta. Sure. Yeah. Sure, if that makes sense, but... I mean, it looked I mean, to me like they were starting to phase Britt down temporarily. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, they had her in the match just a couple, just the day before on Dark where she got the pin, not Riho, in their doubles match. Yeah. Rio didn't really get to shine that much in that match. Well, maybe, like we've talked about in the past, since Britt is still, you know, a dentist and has, like, a full business that she focuses on, maybe we're starting to see the the disparity between her and the other women who are signed, who are presumably all just full-time wrestlers and have nothing else going on, like... Maybe the roster is becoming heavy with full-timers and Britt can't make the same commitment. Total speculation on my part, but it could be a factor. Yeah, but at least right now, she is clearly the priority over Britt. Yes, she did manage to avoid the lockjaw, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, that's been Britt's go-to finisher for the last few weeks and has been sold as a very big deal, but... She was able to avoid it, so that's that's kind of big for her. She wasn't able to pin Britt with her finisher the first try, so she just did it a second time, and then she got Britt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's not being like a clear win if Britt was able to break out of her finisher first. Like a decisive, she's way better than Britt, yeah. if she was able to get out of the finisher one time. Something else unrelated to who won or lost is that uh, Britt's nose got bloody and Aubrey put on gloves. So I feel like this has been a running question amongst our group. Does AEW bring out gloves when there's blood? And they do, apparently. Just yeah. Thought we, we should settle that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and for Amanda, Nick's balls were on the rope in that first match for a while. <laughs> and Phoenix kicked him off there. Yep. Because you shouldn't put your balls on the rope. Yep. Or your I teeth. Think, yeah. I feel like balls are going to come back sometime later in this episode. 
And, oh my gosh, I can't remember who was complaining about having the flu last week, but that was definitely from Britt Baker at Full Gear having flu all in the ring. Chuck, Chuck said I he think was, it was sick last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was Chuck. Yeah. Because then he still complained about it on being the elite this week. Yeah. Ugh, man. You're in an industry where you just cannot avoid other people's germs. Mm-hmm. Or balls. Or balls. They are coming at you fast <laughs> and furious. So next up, we have a video package to explain who the Dark Order are. Um, it's weird, but let me just summarize it before we talk about how weird it is. Basically, there's a nerdy looking man who is waiting at a subway station, like underground, and these two other men walk by and they kind of bump against him because he's clearly a nerd and, and they knock his glasses off and break his glasses and he just looks sad and put upon. And so when he gets onto the train... There's a strange video playing that essentially says, there is strength in numbers. Join us. Join the Dark Order. And it's very culty and very pleasant in a way that's, like, upsetting or just kind of disturbing. And all throughout, the people in the video have um, those, like, putty men Dark Order masks. Yeah, like, flashing on their face. So it's like, you know just unsettling and then basically the message is join the dark order so this is what the dark order is apparently i loved it i thought it was i thought it was the best thing they've done for the dark order so far turning turning them into the church of scientology it's just bray wyatt (laughs) no yeah it is it's totally him and his cult no they were they were like a weird swamp cult well this is a weird cult with masks this is like this is this is like an incel cult. Oh my god. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Marco Stunt did follow up on Instagram about how he kind of went for that mask initially. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just I just like masks. I mean, that's what you guys kind of said. That's kind of what we thought. It's like shiny ball syndrome. <laughs> shiny ball syndrome. Shiny mask syndrome. Totally. I, I also like this, though. Like, this is yeah. this weird vibe very much, like, I'm into. And I think it's way more interesting than just whatever the hell the Dark Order was supposed to be up until this point. So in about a year, we can expect Evil Uno to start a children's television show. Maybe. I, you know what, Jenny? If we look back and that happens, then you were right. <laughs> Mark it down on this day. Jenny predicted a... A fiend Bray Wyatt trajectory for Evil Uno. <laughs> I'll have no problem admitting that if that comes to pass. Same here. I think I think Andy's right. This has more of like a Scientology incel vibe than Bray Wyatt's like swamp alligator thing. Like true a cult blood is a cult. Is a cult. Oh, Jenny, there it's are layers and layers to I think it's a dangerous thing to, to say. I, I think you under, <laughs> underestimate them if you think of it that way. So true. Um, hashtag join the Dark Order if you are interested in this cult. Yeah. How about that Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale? I loved it. 
I think I think AEW is a company that does pretty good battle royals. I thought it was missing someone running to the ring, slipping, and then sliding underneath the ring. Oh. Disappearing. Okay. <laughs> so uh, for the Dynamite Doesn't Battle Royal, we had Hangman Page, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Kip Sabian, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Pentagon Jr., Sonny Kiss, Joey Janela, MJF, and Billy Gunn, who I guess he could just be Billy Gunn. Is he allowed? Is that... I mean, he must be. Like, he was. He was on national television as Billy Gunn, so he must have somehow gotten the rights to that name. Is that not his real name? No. That was a WWF-created name in, like, 1992. Maybe legal wasn't as strong back then. Maybe. The contracts, they didn't have mega. Yeah. Do those things expire? Like, the... Oh, like, copyright. Like, the trademarks for names? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. And at some point, they may have just been like, okay, we're not going to... We don't, there's no need for us to keep renewing Billy Gunn's name. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so I learned that Billy Gunn likes butts and Sonny Kiss. Oh, Jenny. You might oh, say Jenny. that he's an ass man. <laughs> oh, you might oh, sing a song about it. Is he the one with the song that's like, ass man? Yeah. <laughs> Where did we hear that? Being the Elite. He's been, he's been on a few Being the Elite. That's right. Because like, they would be at signings. The with Bucks. him, and then the Bucks would sing Ass Man at him. He'd like look over and start laughing, and like. That's right. <laughs> well, Sunny Kiss can twerk it like no one's business. Holy shit! Are we going to get a Sunny Kiss Billy Gunn tag team? Because I would be totally okay with that. That'd be great. I hope so. I mean, kiss and makeup is still a thing, right? Oh well, I mean, Dustin's hurt. Okay, hurt. well then. Dustin's move on high on painkillers is what Dustin is. That is true. <laughs> My big takeaway from this match is that um, wrestlers are much smaller in uh, 2019 than they were in the 90s because Billy Gunn looked like the big show in this match. <laughs> are all wrestlers smaller or just AEW wrestlers? I, mean, I think by and large wrestlers are smaller. I think it's smaller, more athletic people are into the biz- are getting into the business now. Well, back then it was primarily people that were at the gym weightlifting or fitness type people, like Arnold Schwarzenegger type people at the fitness model stuff, then getting into A lot of ex-football players, things like that. Yeah. And I think also the rise of mixed martial arts is a viable way to make money as an athlete also picked, has picked off a lot of people who normally would have gone to pro wrestling. Hmm. You're right, though. He stood in the center of the ring and towered above all of these other men yeah he looked i mean he's you know he is an old man and he looked good yeah i wonder how long he prepared for this i mean i think he does i think he does to this day still do like competition bodybuilding like on the like the you know kind of older circuit he's uh he's he just turned 56 so he doesn't look 56 at least his body doesn't no, and having seen, like, Arnold through the years, apparently it's possible to still be that jacked later on in life. But it's it's just a, such a contrast to see him amongst 11 other smaller men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I enjoyed him in there. It was fun. Uh, there's also a spot at the beginning where Pentagon thought that Phoenix was accompanying him to the ring, but it turned out to be Christopher Daniels who... I guess Pentagon wasn't paying very close attention. Pentagon's yeah. an idiot. <laughs> because the second they like, no, they showed him like even like 
sort of close up. You could I saw his face and I'm like, that's not Phoenix. That's Christopher Daniels. Mm-hmm. So Christopher Daniels has now dressed up as Pentagon and as Phoenix. That's right. Ah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, guys. Pentagon is not an idiot. He's just a little oblivious. Okay. Well, that was nice. A nice thing to say about him. Pentagon, we know you're. I'd listening. rather be oblivious than an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the Billy Gunn arc of he tried to interact with Sunny Kiss, who twerked at him, and then he seemed impressed and was going to go twerk back, and then MJF threw Sunny Kiss out, and then later on in the match, Orange Cassidy came up and he did his flurries of kicks on Billy Gunn, and then revved up for his super kick and MJF threw him out and Billy Gunn looked at MJF and was like, that's twice. And then <laughs> you ruined my fun twice. Yes. He got real mad. He told him to suck his dick. And then he, he was like, yeah, they did not um, mute the mics on that one. <laughs> so Whoa. Then he went after him. But uh, I just really appreciated that Billy Gunn was there to have fun and MJF kept ruining his fun and it made him mad. So he, t- he he got him back. Do you think the balls would have been on the rope for the dick sucking? I mean, if one of them was standing outside the ring to suck the dick. <laughs> I'm so glad we're all about accuracy on this here podcast. Mm-hmm. We do need to get the mechanics of this sorted out. All right. What are the other big spots here? We had, uh, we had Joey Janela getting eliminated by Sean Spears. who wasn't in the match. Happened during a commercial, thus proving nothing important happens during a commercial. And wait, how can you get eliminated by someone who's not in the match? No, the referee didn't see it. Um, Referees are oblivious as well. It's true. Was it Rick Knox? I I don't remember who the referee was. Uh, Jimmy Havoc had a staple gun. So dumb. With no staples. And got disqualified from a battle royal. (laughs) I thought, didn't he get thrown out and then he came back with the staple gun? Oh, did he get thrown over the top rope? I thought he was one of the uh, many people who, when um, when Billy Gunn did the Incredible Hulk roar spot, uh, got like thrown like through the ropes or under the ropes or whatever. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I just thought he disappeared for a minute and then all of a sudden he was wielding a staple gun. Yeah. So has he been forgiven for... The shit that went down at Jimmy's famous seafood restaurant? Evidently. I I didn't think we were going to see Jimmy Havoc again. Not for a while. Not until he had served his sentence. So uh, Billy actually does eventually throw MJF out of the ring, but MJF doesn't go over to the floor. And Wardlow comes out to make sure that uh, MJF doesn't get tossed to the floor. And uh, that distracts Billy enough that... Adam Page actually tosses out Billy Gunn and gets booed because people were enjoying the nostalgia of Billy Gunn. And also the fun vibe he brought to the match, encouraging people to do their fun gimmicks on him. Yeah. Um, We got a spot where Penelope Ford and Chris uh, Kip Sabian kissed. Mm -hmm. That was fun. I don't think it doesn't look like based on him not winning the match that he's going to get to propose to Penelope Ford with the diamond ring. Unfortunately, your idea from last <laughs> week is not going to come to fruition. Yeah. Maybe he'll try to steal it from whoever wins it. Oh, that's a good idea, Megan. 
So it eventually comes down to Jungle Boy and Hangman, and just as that's about to get started, MJF reveals that he has not been eliminated yet, and he and he jerks Jungle Boy out of the ring. So what do we? What next week we got Hangman Page versus MJF in Chicago for the ring. And this, the conceit that this whole match is just for a big old diamond ring mm-hmm. is so weird to me. Like, is it like a Super Bowl ring? I don't, do they have to give it back the next time this happens? Like, does it get passed on? Do you have to maintain it for a certain amount of time or you have to give it back like bachelor rules? I don't know. Um, I do know that like of the two men fighting for this ring, I can see one of them incorporating it well into their character and the other not so well. So I think it's a pretty good chance MJF is winning that ring. That seems right. It just seems so random. Why would you have a diamond ring as... I don't know. Let's let it, let's see what they do with it. Huh. I'm excited to see what it looks like. Cody says it's valued at $42,000. <laughs> I... What? I that's that's am... what Cody said on Twitter today. Okay. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, a gaudy, horrible ring because... I don't know. That just seems right for wrestling, but I'm maybe a Super Bowl ring. They, yeah. I feel like Super Bowl rings. I don't know. I don't. They have diamonds, but they're subtle. I just, for some reason, I'm picturing like a ring pop level diamond here. Just, <laughs> Not for forty thousand dollars. I don't know. I don't know how diamonds. I think you can jewelry. get a pretty big carrot for forty, but not not a ring pop carrot. So. Someone asked Cody on Twitter today, does the diamond ring mean anything? And he said, it's actually sitting across from me right now. Ha. It's priced at genuinely $42,000. So, yeah, it means a lot. And then in uh, parentheses, he says, your average Super Bowl ring comes in at around thirty-five dollars to $40,000 for reference. So it's going to be like the Super Bowl ring. Sounds like it. I hope nobody leaves it at a steakhouse. Why? Why are we spending <laughs> the money on this? Why is this in the budget? I don't know. We can't get barricades, proper barricades, but we get a $42,000 Trump ring. Next up, we have a very important announcement from Le Champion, mm-hmm. Chris Jericho. Um, and he has with him his buddy, Jake Hager, I guess in case anybody tries to attack him. But the big he, hurt. Yeah, the, the big something. Ugh. He uh, he remains silent the whole time. Well, no, he no. Nope, I'm wrong. We'll get there. So we hear Jake Hager's first word like a little baby. <laughs> he learned to speak just for this segment. Learned to speak just for this. I wonder. I wonder who in the history of babies has ever had their first word be sorry. Oh, it's probably a sad tale because that just sounds depressing. <laughs> sounds depressing. What was your first word, Megan? I don't know. I was a baby. I can't even remember, like, last week. Your parents, well, of course you can't remember it. You were, like, less than a year old. But your parents didn't write it down? Oh, I don't know. In we are not book. A, we are not a nostalgic people. Uh, so probably not. 
Yeah, I have no idea what my first word was. I bet, I bet. You guys don't have a baby book that has this? I'll text my mom. My first word was cracker. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Somehow that's so appropriate. (laughs) That's what was written in my baby book. This has shed some light on things. Okay. (laughs) Um, Let me rewind a bit. Because we're talking about Jake Hager's first word, but the reason he says it is because, um, well, Jericho can't, obviously. He uh, he threw a temper tantrum last week, if you remember, where he so he threw chairs. Yeah, he flipped a table. He just lost his mind because he got pinned. And so Jericho is here to say he's sorry, but he can't because it's hard. So he has to. Jake Hager, say it for him. So throughout this whole segment, anytime the word sorry needs to be said, Jericho pops the mic in front of Hager's face, and he just, sorry. And then Jericho moves on with his um, his whole thing, which is great. It's very funny, and it's very good, because, I don't know, like, Jericho's so great at a promo, and Jake Hager, it's probably best he doesn't talk. So, <laughs> good combo. And for our, our younger listeners, this is, of course, a uh, Happy Days spoof, as the character of Arthur the Fonz Fonzarelli was incapable of saying the word sorry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. It's healthy if you can't say sorry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a sign of great mental health. Indeed. <laughs> you don't have things you need to work through. Uh-uh. Um, Jericho's big announcement after after his lackluster apology is that next week is going to be Chris Jericho's Thanksgiving thank you celebration for Le Champion. That's the full title. Where <laughs> he is having a celebration because people are finally going to thank him. The execs, everyone at AEW, they're all going to, I guess, show up and thank him. It's unclear. But he did promise games. Um, maybe oh. a clown, which sounds horrifying. Oh. Uh, yeah, you don't promise know. champagne. Oh, I think it's implied. They travel with it, so it's gonna be a big deal next week. I don't yeah. know how much of the show this is gonna take up, but I'm here <laughs> for it. <laughs> I hope it takes up most of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fun times. I think he also promised an aquarium. He did. He did promise an aquarium. Just gonna set that on the outside of the ring and hope for the best with that. Oh, it'd be great if like somebody took a bump into an aquarium. Oh, I don't, I don't think we should kill fish. I'm sure okay. they would stock it with like fake fish. Yeah. I don't want this to be that Black Panther dying in Mugambo. Yeah, that would be sad. Yeah, I'm assuming that if they do anything with a big, like, aquarium full of water. There's not going to be living things in it. Yeah, I mean, PETA would come down so hard. Yeah, it's really it not the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, PETA has its own things, but uh, and I'm not advocating for the death of the fish, but I just assume it's more trouble than it's worth to try and do that. So. Do you think it's just going to be lobster in that aquarium, and he's just going to have like a dinner of lobster and champagne? Hmm. I think that that would incite PETA as well. But no, no, not if it was already cooked lobster. Mm, That whole process doesn't really engender (laughs) 
positive feelings. What if they got live lobsters, but they promised that they would cook them and eat them after the show, after they were done with them? I don't know. That might Still, work. Everybody knows the fate of those lobsters. <laughs> but, I mean, there are lobster tanks everywhere. PETA doesn't come to Red Lobster and take those lobster tanks out. I mean, it's true. There's a lot of, lot of Red Lobsters and only so many PETA people. <laughs> but, like, cheesy biscuits should entice you. Yes, they should. But, you know, no lobster had to die to make your cheesy garlic biscuits. Well, no, I'm just saying if they were going to, like, go to Red Lobster to take that aquarium out... They could get cheesy biscuits while they're there, so it's an incentive to go. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay. I cannot plan for PETA. <laughs> I don't know the end game on this whole line of conversation. <laughs> Hopefully there's lobsters at the wrestling show. We'll see. We'll see. Andy's going to cut all of it anyway. I know. So Jericho's talking about this big celebration. It's going to be great. Everything is happening next week. And SCU walks out and joins him in the ring. They're in street clothes, so, you know, it's not guaranteed to be a fight. But we'll see. Um, Scorpio Sky has the microphone. and he. But, I'm sorry, Megan, not to interrupt. You just talked about their street clothes. Scorpio Sky <laughs> is not... Wearing his black skinny jeans. This well, was the he does perfect... have other clothes. <laughs> no, this was the perfect opportunity to wear those black skinny jeans again. He didn't hear your cry, I guess. So disappointing. True, but he still looked good. I mean, come on. Yeah, can't argue that. Yeah, he and Scorpio has the mic. And he commends Jericho on the apology that he made, sort of. But he says that Jericho forgot to mention why it was he threw the tantrum in the first place. And that is, of course, because Scorpio pinned him in the tag team match last week. Um, And due to that, Scorpio is just living his best life. He's on cloud nine. His DMs are blowing up. He's got a date with his... The high school crush, Melanie Parsons, next weekend. That it's, line was so funny. Yes. <laughs> My it's high school so crush good. called me. <laughs> oh, Scorpio just exudes charisma. He's it. really good. He's really good. Um, but at the same time, Jericho points out that Scorpio is, in fact, one half of a tag team. So he doesn't really give his win all that much credibility he requests a one-on-one match to really show that when alone Scorpio cannot beat him. So Oh, you're skipping Scorpio, so much good stuff. Well, I was trying to keep it short and sweet, but if you want to get into the details, please, it was all good. This was like 20 minutes of great. Can I make one comment before we get into more details? Isn't he one third of a tag team? No, um, they they don't they don't have like new day rules. Kazarian and Scorpio Sky are the tag team champions. Daniels can't be rotated into that. Into sure, the defense. but Daniels is always ringside, so he's kind of interfering sometimes. Yeah. I mean, doesn't he? Don't, being in the ring with Scorpio is thirty three percent chance. <laughs> <laughs> Do the Scott Steiner math. <laughs> 
it's so good until a certain point, and then he loses track. <laughs> Andy, what are the details that I uh, was glossing over? Uh, Jericho tried to burn Scorpio by saying, you know, I've seen Melanie, and she's gained a lot of weight since high school, and then Scorpio, like, just turfs it back to him with uh, by quoting Sir Mix-a-Lot with, I like big bucks, and I cannot lie. And uh, I thought that was really good. That I thought was it was funny. I thought it was good that like Chris tried to get one over on him, and then Scorpio just volleyed it back, and then Jericho had to make like a "Oh, you got me" kind of face. It got a huge cheer too. A huge cheer. And uh, and then you know, and Jericho references Baby Yoda, which is the oh. you know the kind of the the pop culture zeitgeist reference of the week. So that was good. You can definitely tell that Chris has children and has Disney. Disney Plus, Plus. yeah. And Baby Yoda is so adorable. It's true. Have you seen Baby Yoda yet, Megan? I've seen pictures, but I, I'm sad because yeah. I haven't seen The Mandalorian, to, which is what I assume that's from. Well, right? don't be sad you haven't seen The Mandalorian. It's boring, but Baby Yoda is adorable. Whoa. Shots fired by Jenny. <laughs> Baby Yoda pops up at the end of episode one, so it's not much of a spoiler. Okay. So that's what everybody was saying about the end of episode one. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Baby Yoda is very cute. He's very cute. Guys. Yeah, and then, uh, so I, I, do, I do love, like, after the challenge, like, well, you'll, you'll probably get into all the reverse psychology stuff. Um, yeah, uh, basically, after all that back and forth, that brilliant, brilliant back and forth, um, Jericho basically says, like, I want a one-on-one match with you and I want it next week as part of the celebration. It makes total sense. Like let's throw a match into Chris Jericho's Thanksgiving. Thank you. Celebration for Le Champion. As if there wasn't enough going on already. (laughs) And so (laughs) Scorpio agrees to that. Um, And Kaz, sorry, Kazarian's like, Hey, it's a good thing. That's not a title match because you're, you're not ready for that. Right? Like we need to train and, and this can't happen so soon. But thank God it's not a title match because also Jericho gets real weird about his title when it's on the line and <laughs> we don't want to upset him. And so Jericho just falls into the trap and says, well, I could defend my title. I'm not worried. It's a title match. Don't worry. It's a title match. And Scorpio's like, I don't want it to be a title match. No, no, I'm not. I'm not ready. <laughs> and Jericho's like, Oh, it's for sure a title match. So we're doing it next week. Title match. I'm going to win. Don't worry. So we get a title match. It all happened so fast, guys. It's a little, little bit of like a duck season, rabbit season going on here. It's true. But it's set. You can't change the schedule now. It's part of the party itinerary. They shook hands and Jericho said, we shook hands. <laughs> it's real. You can't take it back. <laughs> And uh, he did uh, Scorpio's big reveal that he uh, that they played the inner circle was when he uh, he kind of pulled Jericho in on the handshake and said, I'm going to turn Le Champion into Le Bitch. <laughs> yes. And then Jericho, his only response was to, like, hit him in the head with the microphone. Yes. It was, it was quite a it was quite a beat down in SCU from there as the rest of the inner circle hit the ring. Yes, and Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa ran out and tried to help them, but they didn't even make it into the ring. <laughs> so no, they got they got redshirted real quick. Yeah, it was pretty weak. Um, They're pretty but, weak. Ugh, 
I feel I feel bad. These two are they're good characters, you know. They're good like supporting characters, but they're one of them is. They're doing a lot of hard work backstage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, they get shut down pretty quick, but then Marco Stunt runs out, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do great. He tries, uh, but he gets dismissed. And then Jungle Boy runs out, and Jungle Boy actually, I feel like he did a move on at least one person before he got kind of beat up. But then, you know, if you beat up those two little jungle babies, Luchasaurus is going to have to come out and defend his young. So he is the big brother. He has to help them. He comes out, and by this time, the only person left in the ring standing is Jake Hager. So Luchasaurus, he squares off with him, and he looks ready to go. But Hager, Hager, like, begs off. He looks at him, and he's like, but first, but first he takes his watch off and throws it into the crowd. Because Cody wouldn't do it, that coward. So, so that tells me that Jake Hager was wearing a Timex. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> True. But I, I could not believe the roof was gonna blow off this building for a standoff between Jake Hager and Luchasaurus. <laughs> I mean, this dude, company, they... this company is good at like, this company is good at booking. Yeah, there's two big dudes, and, you know, Luchasaurus has the MMA background as well, Yeah. right? Like, he does training, so I guess it's like, ooh, this is, we're getting real, guys. Yeah, so I wonder I wonder when this match is going to happen, if at all. They could do, like, a Jurassic Express versus, like, Hager and Proud and Powerful, or Hager and Jericho and Guevara, kind of, what, like a six-man at some point. Yeah, but I don't think that's as effective. Well. I think you want a one-on-one. Maybe. I think it'd be cool to see Luchasaurus beat up Jake Hager. Because then Jericho's main, like, muscle got taken out by a dinosaur. (laughs) Just like the idea of that. But Luchasaurus, technically, was supposed to be there anyway. Because he has a match with Peter Avalon. And after all this super exciting stuff happened, Peter Avalon comes out and is like, Yo, I'm the librarian. Let's fight. And uh, Luchasaurus destroys him in what is just a textbook smash him. So, sorry, Peter Avalon. Third smash him for dynamite. <laughs> I don't know if there's much to say about that besides Luchasaurus no, I think, won. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's it's good to have one a week. I think that's probably a good pace. Well, but they haven't done that yet. I think that is a good pace, but... yeah. They've been lagging on that a bit. Yeah, and it was like, at least, if you're not going to see a satisfying match between Luchasaurus and Hager, then you get to see him do something fun while he's out there, and it doesn't take too much effort, because I'm still worried about his recovery status. Because he came back too early. Because last week he seemed so tentative. Yeah, he was moving slow, slow, slow last week. Mm. After that, we had our next match, which was Proud and Powerful... Versus Private Party. And Private Party won. Isaiah Cassidy got the pin on Santana after the gin and juice. Uh, But there was... I mean, it was a fairly long match. I think it lasted at least one commercial break. Yeah. They went uh, 15 minutes and 12 seconds. Yes. And they were... Both teams were honoring a man named Matt Travis, who was a fellow wrestling 
friend between them? Yeah, the announcers told us that uh, Matt Travis is someone who uh, Santana Ortiz kind of brought into wrestling to get him off the streets, and and then Matt Travis would then go on to have a hand in training Private Party, so he was like a common thread in in the four men's uh, careers. And he was killed last week by a uh, by a drunk driver while he was uh, uh, riding his bike in New York City. Yeah. Tragic. 25 years old. Very oh my sad. Goodness, that's so tragic. Yeah. So they were both like they had like a shirt that said like in memoriam and they were both honoring him. But they also the announcers made sure to say like while they both the thread was there between both teams. They're clearly still enemies, so we're going to have a good match. Yeah. And I'd say it was a good match. It was good. It wasn't great. There was, like, that weird spot where I think that I, I think what happened was Santana was supposed to pull the ref out of the ring so Ortiz didn't kick out because he wasn't supposed to, and then we had this awkward moment where the referee just held up because he was waiting yeah. after the two count to get pulled out, and he didn't. Yes, that, kind of, that kind of broke the flow of things for a while. It did, and they tried to explain it as um, Santana and Ortiz didn't tag correctly, which is, you know, they right. were having that problem last week, so. Yeah. And but, so, so they said that, and that's fine, but the guys in the ring didn't know that the announcers were telling that story because then the very next pinfall attempt, Ortiz was still in the ring, and the referee just counted like, right. you know. Yeah, it was awkward. <laughs> yeah. There was a pretty good angle, like, you know, after the match, though. Mm-hmm. Well, during the match, Ortiz was distracting the ref so Santana could grab one of those many socks full of baseballs. Mm-hmm. And when he was winding up to use it, Nick Jackson popped up, grabbed it from him, and stopped basically that from happening. So after the match, Sammy Guevara ran out and attacked Nick who was still ringside at the time. Um, and then Dustin ran out to make the save for Nick. And so it was kind of just a brawl all around. Uh, meanwhile, Sammy was blogging the whole thing. Look forward to that. Um, but yeah, it'll like, be, it'll I be guess... very exciting to see Dustin Rhodes, uh, uh, angle of, uh, Sammy's vlog, like holding his can- his phone while he's beating up Sammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, I mean, publish the truth, Sammy. We all saw it. But Dustin's out there. So maybe his recovery is going better than planned? Uh, I mean, I, I just don't think he was injured. So. I mean, no, he's not really injured, but they try to sell things. Yeah. Like, on commentary on For Dark, he did say, like, uh, that he was pretty close to getting back in the ring. So. Okay. So that tracks. It's, you know, kind of weird to be pretty close to being back in the ring when you still have the cast on. Maybe he just wants to use the cast for, like, as an offensive weapon. Which he did. He did, yeah. We watched Sammy's vlog this week. Mm-hmm. He went to a young child's birthday party. Yeah, a 12-year-old kid invited <laughs> him to his birthday party at, like, a go-kart center. And Sammy just, like, showed up without telling him that it was going to happen. And Aww. this kid, this kid freaked out. <laughs> And then he just, like, hung out for the whole party. Yeah, he, like, stayed, he stayed for pizza and cake. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought he would just, like, drop off the present, get his vlog thing, 
you know, get, get, no, he, he get put a little, some time in. He did. Yeah. But I think it was pretty much because he just wanted some pizza and cake and some, like, go-karting action. And the kid told him, he said, like, I found your vlog on YouTube and, and you're the reason that I fell in love with professional wrestling. Yeah, it's so... Oh, <laughs> that's so heartwarming. And he brought the kid, like, a big, like, bag of Sammy merch. No, he just brought him one t-shirt. I think I brought him, like, like a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it was one t-shirt. Oh, was it? Well, you know. Maybe he's only got kid sizes in one of the shirts. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a flip-flop to give him. <laughs> no, no beach towel. No beach towel. He should have brought the merch freak. Yeah. <laughs> magic up in this party. God, Nick would never have treated a child like that. <laughs> oh. oh, Sammy. That's funny and cute. Good for him. <laughs> so, after that match, we go to a video of Kenny Kenny's training and he wants to explain kind of his own self-reflection I guess he says he's been doing strange things lately everybody's telling him about it oh Kenny you're not like a hardcore guy Kenny why are you being weird and he has pinpointed the point in time where everything changed for him and that was losing to pack at All Out in Chicago. So he has a match against Pac next week to bring it all back around. Also Uh, in Chicago. Also in Chicago. So, you know, maybe this this match will either (laughs) either fix whatever's ailing Kenny or perhaps send him into an even crazier downward spiral. Mm Mm-hmm. Winning a match cannot fix what's ailing Kenny. It's the loss of <laughs> Coda. Well, he's never going to say that. It's Pac's fault. It's not. Poor Kenny. Poor Kenny. He is uh, in a weight room at this point, and at the end of this short segment, after he said his piece, he gets back down to like do some more bench pressing and he tells Michael Nakazawa, his spotter, to put more weights on and then we kind of focus on the fact that he's lifting a bar with two very, very tiny weights on it and he only has Michael Nakazawa put an additional weight on one side, so he's all off base and it's just it's visual comedy, Kenny. Well done. It was funny. Kenny's funny. I would love to see another training montage of Kenny where he's in um, his backyard in Canada by the lake and like throwing the um, the tires and, and doing the rope stuff with the um, cut of the what's the like it, it was very like homoerotic the entire thing wearing a speedo yeah, yeah it was yeah, he was a banana hammock yeah, yeah but what song were they playing it was like Oh, I have no I idea. I thought there was some, I don't know, maybe I'm... Probably couldn't be like a famous song. That's true, so yeah. I must be misremembering, but it was it was very fun. It's like something that like maybe you'd want to hear like that. Hearts on fire, strong <laughs> desire. Yeah. Like that song? We're going like fl- to get flagged. That was four <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's real good. And I, that... didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, really? I just, You're I did, allowed. I, yeah, I just thought it was kind of like, I thought it was too goofy with the weights, like with the 10-pound weights that he's pretending to struggle with. 
I thought that was funny. You just thought it was like I just unbelievable. Like, I, well, I thought that it was like, you know, he's got this super important match with Pac next week. Oh, and he's, and you're he's right. Like, he's screwing around doing stuff with Michael Nakazawa. All right. All right. I get what you're saying. But... A little confusion of the tone of everything. Mm-hmm. You're right. The tone was off. But... It's not the end of the world, but like, I... that's still a big match next week. I enjoyed the tone because that's our old Kenny yeah. coming back a little bit. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I agree. Like it doesn't make sense from the storytelling perspective, but I do enjoy seeing flashes of a, a lighter hearted Kenny. Yeah. So that leaves us with only the main event. Holy and that shit. It, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> that is Darby Allen and John Moxley. Um, before I say who wins, though, I really just want to highlight the entrance by Darby Allen because incredible. this little kid is so fucking extra. I this cannot. Is, this, even... is, this is like a WrestleMania entrance. Yeah, like I cannot even. That is what we're at. So Darby Allen, uh, in place of his normal entrance video, or maybe just before it, he has a video of him, and he's got this body bag with mocks sprayed on the outside of it. And he's at some, I guess, punk rock show. I don't yeah, know. Some, some fucking hardcore show somewhere. For sure. And he puts himself into the body bag and then they like, they take that body bag and throw it onto the crowd. So he crowd surfs and it seems like it's just kind of a cool, like, okay, that's an entrance video. And then he is brought out in the arena by five or six men carrying the body bag that he is still tucked inside. How do you need and five or six men to carry this small man? No, it's very little. I don't know. I don't think it was all necessary. It was just for looks. But the announcers imply that he has crowd surfed to the arena. <laughs> <in> <laughs> this body bag. So I don't think uh, they imply. I think they say. You're you're right. They do flat out say that. Uh, but he gets out and he. Not only is he in the body bag, he now has his skateboard. So he skateboards down to the ring with the body bag in hand. And I just, I didn't even know what to think at this point. I'm like, this fucking match hasn't even started. <laughs> what are I we love doing? Darby Allen so fucking much. <laughs> this weird little kid is, is exactly what wrestling needs right now. It was so good. I was just, it broke my brain. <laughs> it's really good. My thought was if I even got close to being put in a body bag I would freak the fuck out like how is Darby like staying calm and breathing in that bag I'd be hyperventilating I would be thrashing around (laughs) Jenny would be in the body bag for three seconds tops no not even they wouldn't even get it zipped up they wouldn't even zip up my feet before I freaked out and like ran away (laughs) I think Darby Allen has proven that he has um, zero regard for the safety of his own body. And yep. so I don't picture him as someone who's claustrophobic or scared of being stuck in a body bag or anything to that effect. Like, he's just in it for the showmanship at this point. I mean, I guess, but, like, shouldn't his wife be concerned? No, she's a wrestler. <laughs> Which one? Priscilla Kelly. Okay. She does she does weird shit in her matches too, so. 
You'd have to, you'd have to be weird to be married <laughs> to him. Artists I think she's, attract I think she's like artists. Used, I think she's like used tampons and matches and stuff like that. Ew! <laughs> like used tampons? Well, like fake, fake used tampons. Fake. Oh my god! <laughs> There's got to be some sort of health issue with trying to use real used. Oh tampons. my god! <laughs> okay, here I'll t- I'll tell you guys. This is from her Wikipedia entry: suburban fight controversy in late December 2018. So this was less than a year ago. Kelly wrestled a match against Tuna for the Suburban Fight promotion in Los Angeles. During the match, with Tuna laid out on a folding chair, Kelly pulled out a bloody tampon from her ring tights and stuck it in Tuna's mouth. Footage of the match received little attention for over a week. <coughs> Jenny's dry heaving over here. Until Gail Kim commented on Twitter in disgust, after which the footage went viral. Many wrestling veterans, including Jim Ross, Angelina Love, and Tessa Blanchard, also commented in disgust while Gregory Helms joked by asking if it was a first blood match. Kelly defended the angle, stating that it was in a bar that required to be 21 or older for admittance and that it was simply for entertainment, confirming that the tampon was a scripted spot in the match and was not actually used for menstruation. Oh, God! She later commented I mean... that women are held to a double standard compared to men, citing Joey Ryan sticking a lollipop into numerous wrestlers' mouths after pulling it out of his tights as well as Mick Foley using Mr. Socko during the Attitude Era. What's oh, Mr. But Socko? He's a sock that he would... He, so he did a move like Britt Baker's mandible thing. Okay. So he would, like, pull a sock out of his tights, and he would put it on his hand, and he'd, like, do the mandible claw with the sock on his hand. Oh, to avoid some germs? Well, I think just because, like, it was like, oh, it's gross. He put that sock, you know, if he pulled that sock out of his tights. It's gross anyway, putting your hand in someone's mouth. Remy Skye, the, you know, who is uh, married to Matt Hardy, echoed the same sentiments. Uh, Ryan, Tommy Dreamer, and Taz came to Telly's defense, all stating that she did her job to get over and it worked. Road Dog initially blasted Kelly for the angle until Joey Ryan called him out over similar angles during the Attitude Era, after which he publicly apologized to Kelly. <laughs> and Priscilla Kelly was actually in the pr- Casino Battle Royale at All Out. Oh. Yeah. Um, so that's man. a lot of stuff about just like hell you guys didn't know. I don't want to get into the gender politics of it. I just want to say that used tampons are gross. <laughs> like, yep. Yes, but this gross. was not like this was not a legit used tampon. No, but just the idea of it. Even as a as a lady, I you know I find it gross. I wouldn't put a clean out of the plastic tampon in my mouth, let alone. Something that had been dipped in something to look like blood in someone's Why pants. Why would you put a clean tampon in your mouth? That's gross. <laughs> Bring it on. Tell I'll us, do it right tell now. Tell us all about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's just cotton. Like, I don't find that yeah. terrible. I think it's just like, I don't know. Just the, it's not even just tampon specific. Like anything body fluid related, I feel oh, yeah. like is gross. And oh. I don't know, male or female, fake or real. It conjures up just images that are, like, gross. Like, ugh. I don't like any of these spots. Please don't pull things out of your tights. It's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to know. This all makes total sense, though. They seem very simpatico on their weird levels. Do you think they do, like, blood stuff when they have sex? Oh, my God. Probably not off the table, you know? Yeah. Didn't, like, Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton do that? 
Angelina Jolie had like that's disgusting. Yeah. Carried around their necks. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Were you gonna go? I thought there was no, more to that. No, I wasn't gonna go anywhere else with that. I don't think I need to. <laughs> what kind of blood stuff would you do with sex? Do you? I don't want to get into this on the podcast. <laughs> that's disturbing. Yeah, that may be. Maybe a subject for another podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> no, thank you. Look, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum, but uh, not yeah, my. That's a, that's a yum you can yuck. Ugh, I'm not. A, I just bodily fluids. Ugh. Keep yeah. them in the body where they belong. Hell I yeah. agree. Hell yeah. I don't want any body fluid on me. <laughs> I can't wait to see how much of this gets left in. Uh, <laughs> Surely I can't. Um, so oof, let's get back to it. So that was Darby Allen's entrance, which just set the set the tone so well. Loved it so much. Um, ultimately, though, Moxley got the win. I believe he did a paradigm shift kind of off the top rope. Yep. Uh, yeah. Darby it's, slipped and John Moxley was strong enough to muscle him up to, and, and, you know, save his life pretty much. And then spike yeah. him into the mat with a DDT. <laughs> yes, it was worrisome. Thank God John Moxley is just apparently very beefy when put up against a small he, slip of a man, Darby Allen. He looked twice Darby's size. I know, it was intense. Jenny and I were talking about this when we were watching the match, and it was like, it's like, you look at, like, John Moxley and Sean Spears, and we forgot Billy Gunn, but Billy Gunn's another one. Like, Moxley and Spears, two just, you, you think of them as, like, normal-looking guys when you see them in a WWE context. But you put them in an AEW ring, they are giants. Yes. It was so weird. I don't think I've ever thought of John Moxley as large like, even in his WWE days with the Shield, he wasn't the biggest one of them, you know? Like, No, Roman was much bigger. Can you imagine Roman Reigns in an AEW ring? <laughs> he, he, would would like, he would look like Andre the Giant. I <laughs> well, I guess, is that what Luchasaurus kind of looks like? Yeah, I mean, Luchasaurus is a big guy, but, like, he was in WWE Developmental, and I bet he didn't look like no, a monster. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I would say, like, that's a similar... Yeah. He looks like a dinosaur coming into the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. If he had T-Rex arms, it would be... Sure, yeah. You know, believable. This match was so good, it... it this... It, what I have found about Darby Allin and AEW is that... He, he keeps losing, but he keeps losing to the top stars. He loses mm-hmm. to Jericho. He loses to Cody. Or he didn't lose to Cody. He went to a draw with Cody. He loses to Moxley. And every time, he comes out of the match looking stronger than he did going in. This guy is such a star. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they're going to get to the part where he starts getting like some, some wins over big people. And like we've talked about before, this, guy's, this guy could be, as long as his body holds up, this guy's world champion within two years. Oh, I think well within two years, yeah. yeah. I I wish there was duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> that was so impressive. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And I was just in awe the entire match. 
He's so, so talented. I didn't want to tell you this at the time, but, and I don't know if this is where the duct tape spot originated, but Moxley and Darby Allen actually had an indie match for Northeast Wrestling before AEW started, or at least before Dynamite started. And they did a spot where Moxley handcuffed Darby's hands behind his back, and they mm. did a lot of the same kind of stuff that he and Jericho did. Sure. Yeah. But so so Moxley didn't want to have a similar type of match with Darby? Well, I guess, I guess they probably just figured that, like, well, we just did that spot sure. on, you know, a few weeks ago. But this match was awesome. Moxley looked great. Darby looked fantastic. The very first thing that happened was John, John Moxley made his entrance from the crowd, and he's coming to ringside, and he gets hit with that insane Darby Allen lightning fast tope that I love so much. Uh, and, 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 and like he crashed into the barricade, and, and we we're off to the races. This match fucking ruled. It was 11 minutes, 20 seconds, and I can't believe they packed that much stuff into that short of time. It was real good. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. I also just loved, like like you said, they were doing something different than Jericho because, like, Moxley, big old beefy, apparently Moxley, was such a good base for little Darby's style. And there yeah. was one, like, uh, spot where Darby tried to do a crossbody off the top rope, and instead of catching him, Moxley just, like, stood there, and he Darby bounced off him. And Moxley <laughs> just, like, turned around and was like, whatever like, it was so such a good like storytelling method to just be like look how big this one dude is and look how little this other dude is and they're just passionate about trying to kill each other i mean moxley's just like a midwestern boy raised on corn you know darby grew up in seattle with no sunshine <laughs> malnourishment versus like the fresh air are you saying oh, his, photo, his photosynthesis didn't work correctly? Yes. <laughs> there was a spot where uh, Darby was going, he goes for the coffin drop to try to finish the match. And and then Moxley like adjusts while Darby's in midair and he's able to catch him in a rear naked choke. And it was so cool. Yeah, that was awesome. It looked really good too. Like really natural, not kind of janky. Like sometimes those things go. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I love this match so much. Um, yeah, like, when the show was over, I was kind of thinking, like, this is this is probably one of the better episodes of... But that's the thing, like, we've had eight episodes of Dynamite, they've all been at least very good, I think. They've I been all very good. I feel like the first episode was maybe a little light. Okay. Um, But I feel, and maybe, was it the third episode was a little light? But know. all the other ones, I think, have been, like, better than the last. But this one, you open with that Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix match. You finish with this Darby Allen-John Moxie match. And you have that amazing Jericho-Scorpio Sky angle in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you could ask for a better show. Like, the Battle Royal was fun. Mm-hmm. Proud and Powerful versus Private Party was a little disappointing, but it was still a good match. Yeah. You know? No, I, it was a really strong show. Yeah. Was this your favorite show? I think so. It might be recency bias, but uh, I I did, you know, when I think about the way the show is bookended with incredible matches and then you do have that great angle in the middle, I think that's, you know, that was a really, it was a really strong show. You come away like remembering like really good things about it. Yeah. Megan, now you love both Moxley and Darby Allen, which is your favorite now? Oh, it's still Moxley. Still Moxley. I I still love my Midwestern 
before we're here. <laughs> we got but the cows I, in Ohio. You gotta, you gotta eat that beef, Darby. You just yell beef boy in the same cadence as Merch Freak. <laughs> beef boy. Yeah. Um, no, Moxley. Ugh, I love love him so much, but this was such a great match, and I... I don't know. I just really liked it, and I didn't know if I would because I didn't know how far they were going to take it, you know? I thought this was great because it is my tone, my speed, but also these two were beating the crap out of each other. Unfortunately, Matt wasn't here because Dana had surgery. Yeah. He said she's on the mend, so hopefully she's doing well and um, send our love to his lovely family. Mm Mm-hmm. This is uh, also from The Observer. AEW is billing their January 15th episode at uh, down at the University of Miami uh, as Bash at the Beach, which is a WWE trademark Ooh. that uh, it was, it's a former WCW pay-per-view event. And uh, WWE didn't renew its rights to the name. Oh. The Billy Gunn situation again. and uh, it, But it would have been part of the WCW IP that they purchased. And they never used it. So AEW grabbed it, or Cody grabbed it specifically. Uh, They're using the Bash of the Beach as a two-week theme as the next week, the 22nd, uh, the episode where from the Jericho Cruise, which I think is incredibly awesome. I love it when wrestling goes on a field trip. Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, so, and they're actually going to, that's going to be a taped episode for the first time because I think they maybe don't trust that they could broadcast live from the middle of nowhere that's a lot of bandwidth yeah needed in the middle of the ocean yeah 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 better to just be safe yes uh i noticed a little live up in the corner this week up in the top left hand corner of the entire show okay yeah so i i think this was the first week i noticed that yeah i don't know i've never noticed it megan did you notice it it was in red i did but I also haven't looked specifically at the previous week, so maybe I would I believe like, you if you said this was the first week they did it. I feel like I would have noticed it if it had been in a previous week, but I did miss one week. Uh, other news uh, from the Observer here before we uh, go on to the rest of our stuff. AEW trademarked the phrase blood and guts, uh, which is uh, a response to Vince McMahon a few months ago at an investor's call complaining that they were going to hurt the industry by doing blood and guts wrestling. Mm. And Dave Meltzer speculating that they could see, he could see that being used as a name for a pay-per-view. Wow. I will not want to watch that pay-per-view. <laughs> Ugh, no, um, it's okay if you do like one or two hardcore matches, but I need, I need high flying. I need happiness. I need lack of blood. Agreed. Uh, Bloomberg listed Shahid Khan, the owner of AEW, of course, as the 458th richest man in the world, with a worth of 4.498 billion dollars. Fuck. How much money does Vince McMahon have? Uh, less than that. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and he must be pissed. <laughs> I know, right? Feels yeah. so inadequate. Yeah. We also have a lot less money than that. <laughs> I would say yes. It blows my mind that at that much money. That they're still, You're still in, only in the just in the top 500. Yeah, that's not even like high on the list. Yep. Ugh, I feel poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
We got to talk about ratings, guys. Oh, so WWE pulled some shit this week. <laughs> you make it sound nefarious. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's nefarious, but it's definitely like I wasn't surprised that this was the week that they won. Certainly. As at the end of Raw, Triple H issued an open door uh, invitation to any Raw or SmackDown talent to visit NXT. And it actually led to uh, them getting the win uh, in the in the ratings uh, stakes. So here's the good news for NXT. They won in total viewership. This is from John Pollock of Post Wrestling. It was a viewership win for NXT, but AEW won all the key demos, increasing an edge among people 18 to 49. Uh, so, so they did even better in 18 to 49 than they did last week against, you know, as far as head-to-head. Uh, the two shows faced competition with the Democratic Candidates debate airing from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, which did 6.6 million viewers. NXT's viewership increased 22% from last week, with 916,000 total viewers. AEW did 893,000, which was down 7% from last week. But, again, they killed it with every category but the olds. 50-plus were way into NXT. I am so confused by that. <laughs> it's such uh, a weird demographic. Yeah. I, I guess I I don't think it matters that much if in total numbers you're up. Like, So what if you didn't meet your demo? Why is that even your demo? Advertisers pay more money for your youngers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's like... Sure. That's what matters. All right. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, so uh, I think next week that I don't know if this is a trick that WWE can successfully pull over and over again. I actually could see this becoming a weekly thing where NXT just evolves into another mash of like regular talent and not really being in a developmental program anymore. Oh, well. They'd be saying goodbye to me as a regular viewer. It'd be really sad. I hope that doesn't happen. But couldn't you see Vince, like, pushing for that? I could definitely see Vince pushing for that, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't that. think that... I, I, I totally agree. I don't want this to happen. But I'm just saying that, like, Triple H is going to get trumped on this if Vince needs to win every week. Yeah. And it's going to ruin NXT. Probably. Meanwhile... AEW is just kind of staying in their lane, putting you know, doing their show every week. Saying suck at Vince. Yeah. <laughs> I do really respect that though. It's really nice to have watching WWE scramble even amongst their own brands. It's so nice that AEW is just like, whatever, <laughs> we're over here doing our thing and it's awesome. Please well, enjoy. Could they do? They don't have the um the option to do anything different. I mean, they could do something like they could say like, okay, well, we're going to do, the, we're going to do Jericho Cody rematch next week. We're going to, you know, we're going to, oh, okay. you know, stuff like that. We're going to have like, we're going to have a lights out, like crazy hardcore match on TNT, you know, gross. They're not scrambling to try and like compete. They are just comfortable and confident in who they are and what they're offering. And I think that makes viewing it a lot more fun than even watching my Dear precious NXT gets sucked into the stupid WWE cycle. It makes me sad. For all they did, 
it really wasn't that huge of an increase. And I don't know that it can maintain it. I mean, be, they can maintain it. I mean, selfishly, I hope they don't, because it was, like, a lot. Yeah, I I don't know that I really want to see that kind of... Like, I, I liked it fine this week, but I don't know that I I want to see that every week from them. Yeah, it's it, the pace is too much. It's like when in the beginning when they were trying to win ratings and just week to week, it was... It's tiring to watch. Oh, those first, like, few weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the rankings for this week. Ooh. And we will start with the tag teams. The Dark Order, with a record of 3-2, and two, is in fifth place, uh, which is exactly where they were last week. So no movement from the Dark Order. No match from the Dark Order. No match from the Dark Order. Santana and Ortiz, proud and powerful, at number four. All the way down from number two last week, uh, after they caught the L from Private Party here on Dynamite this week. At the number three spot are the aforementioned Private Party, who had actually fallen all the way out of the tag team rankings last week. But the win over Proud and Powerful really, uh, you know, shot them up there. Mm-hmm. Gave them a good, gave them a good uh, <clears throat> jolt. Good boost. Yeah. At number two, we've got the Young Bucks with a four and three record. And I guess that win over Stronghearts on AEW Dark this week, uh, you know, got them up from their uh, number three ranking last week. And maintaining that number one position, the Lucha Brothers, uh, with a tag record of four and three, also did not uh, compete in tag action this week. So if you want to stay where you are on the rankings, don't wrestle. Yep. That's (laughs) what we've learned. Yep. Good tactic. Yeah. Uh, in the women's division, we have at number five, Allie, and uh, she is in the same position she was in last week because, mm-hmm. again, didn't, didn't wrestle. wrestle. Number four, Nyla Rose, two and three singles record, same position she was in last week. Number three, Emmy Sakura, one and one, same position she was in last week. So the, the bottom three did not change. Here's where the switch also happens. Also did not wrestle. Also did not wrestle. Uh, here's where the switch happens. Britt Baker is now number two. She was number one. Hikaru Shida is now number one. She was number two because they wrestled each other in Dynamite and Hikaru Shida won. So these rankings make sense in the women's division, wouldn't you say? I know you were you were you were not happy about the first week's rankings, or I know. was not. Yeah. Are they starting to shake out a little better for you? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. And finally, in the men's division, we've got number five, Kenny Omega, with a three and two singles record. So he has made his way back onto uh, into the rankings. Good for Kenny. Who did Kenny wrestle? No one. He sat out. Kenny last did not week. have a match. Okay, that's interesting. That's how you move up in the rankings, apparently. I mean, yeah, his last one was Moxley, right? Mm-hmm. So and he I, lost but that's to unsanctioned. So but that's I guess, unsanctioned. That was unsanctioned. So I guess, so yeah, so Darby Allen was number five. He is no longer ranked. So his loss to John Moxley knocked him off the list, and, and Kenny moved up because of that. Number four, Hangman Page, who... Uh, he fell. He fell. He was number three, and and he fell, uh, despite winning that battle royal. Yeah. But maybe because that's not a singles match, it doesn't factor in as much. True. That doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's somehow factoring in though. Yeah. But uh, is it because he won? But also, like, ultimately, 
the winner of the overall thing is there's still a match to determine it. That's true. That will be a singles match next week, so that should play into the rankings. Number three, Cody, moving down from number two. Mm. Uh, he didn't wrestle this past week. And and here is here is what has caused all this shakeup. John Moxley moves up from number four to number two this week with big his big jump. with his big win over Darby Allen in the main event of Dynamite. And of course, Pac uh, maintains number one. Well, how can Moxley say he's the top of the food chain when he's not even the number one contender? Well, he won he won an unsanctioned match, so. Yeah. He and Pac thought to a draw, I believe, when they went head-to-head, so maybe they need to, to battle it out for the top contender spot at the next uh, big show. All right, so that's all the, uh, that's all the review. Uh, now it's time for a little bit of preview. So, guys, what do we have coming up next week on AEW Dark, you might ask? So AEW Dark, spoiler-free preview that we like to do for you here. Opens up with Pentagon Jr. versus Trent of the Best Friends in singles action. Hmm. So I guess that would explain why Trent was not in the Battle Royal while Chuck and Orange Cassidy both were. Sexy Chucky T. Sexy Chucky T. Uh, we've got Leva Bates versus Awesome Kong. Oh, God. She will be killed. We've got Big Swole versus Shanna. So Shanna's back. And in our main event for the AAA uh, Mega Heavyweight Championship, Jack Evans versus Kenny Omega. I'm very excited for that last one. Jack Evans and Kenny Omega. This is a match that we talked about wanting to see when they did the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian versus the Elite a couple weeks ago. Yes. So I'm... I'm pretty excited for that one myself. And and actually, like, I'm, you know, when Trent had that singles match against Pac a couple weeks back, I, I, I was really impressed. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see him against Pentagon. I'm really glad they're letting him break out of whatever the fuck is happening with Angelico. Oh, Jack. Okay. And do his own thing. Yeah. Get rid of the bodysuit. <laughs> so that's dark. Actually, tomorrow uh, there's going to be a road to, the first road to since... Uh, Dynamite started airing on TNT, and it's a road to Chicago, which I guess means that it's going to be a pretty big deal dynamite this week. And Megan, do you have any insight onto uh, what we'll be seeing on that dynamite? I do. So far as I know, this dynamite will feature the dynamite dozen outcome of MJF facing Hangman Page for that big giant diamond ring. Very prestigious. Um, very prestigious. Pac will be facing Kenny Omega. Scorpio Sky will be facing Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. And Cody will return, whatever that means. So that was updated today um, to say that he will be in action. So like a smash him? Sounds like it. Well, that doesn't always mean that. I feel like... When they say in action, it doesn't necessarily or often mean smash them. We'll see. I hope this one does. And I, I I don't know if the Scorpio and SCU segment with Jericho negated the Thanksgiving Day celebration with the champion. Is the Thanksgiving Day celebration not 
filled? I don't I don't know. Because that's all I wanted to see. <laughs> I think no, I think that's happening. It, it so it's just, in it's an addition to. Yeah, the 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 celebration isn't a match per se. It's just a thing that's occurring and then the Scorpio Sky Jericho match is like tacked on to the events of that celebration. Megan, is it listed in that preview that we're getting the Thanksgiving Day celebration? Well, no, but Jericho said we are, so don't worry. It's going to happen. But it the preview only listed actual matches. Okay. So Jericho, I assume, will be causing shenanigans throughout all of next week's show with his celebration and whatnot. The aquarium. I'm sure he'll set it up right at the beginning. Whatever they're paying Jericho, it's not enough. He's very good. He's, he's perhaps the wrestler of the year. <laughs> in promos. And, like, all around, yes. Yeah. Yeah, not in matches. No, but I'm saying if you take the complete package of what makes a pro wrestler... I agree. Yeah. I think he would also agree with that. I'm sure he would. He'd have to, because otherwise, what kind of wrestler would he be? Mm -hmm. Humble. That's not what wrestlers are. Uh, I think Adam Page is humble. (laughs) I was going to say Daniel Bryan, but yeah. Sure, Daniel Bryan too. Yeah. Well, yeah, but not their personas. No, I think both of their personas are humble. All right. I mean, all right, whatever. He's gonna cut it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just absolutely not. Well, that does it for another week here on the show, and I want to thank everyone for listening. And as always, for Megan and Jenny, I'm Andy, and this has been the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat. E E Lee Beat.